Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Parents should have been given vouchers or should be given vouchers to put towards the cost of childcare or to make it easier for one of them to actually stay at home. And that's the view of David Quinn, columnist with the Sunday Times and director of the Iona Institute. And he joins me now. Good afternoon to you, David. Good afternoon, Ian. Um Look, this is causing huge problem. When we see this uh, research done by News Talk and also mm. as well by Primetime, that you mm. know, one person was actually quoted up to four and a half grand uh, for childcare costs, but the average is around you know 1,276. I mean, there's something has to be done. Some Something has to break. And your suggestion is, because Amorok and their research, as well as Solace, by the way, going back a few years ago, suggested mm. a lot of women who are working would prefer to stay at home if it was financially viable, that we should be doing more, I suppose, to help those women and men. Yeah, do you see, um, like, childcare policy has to be fair to everybody. And I can't concentrate on just one of the childcare options, by which I would mean, uh, you know, want to be minding your child at home. We're talking here mainly about preschool children. So minding your child at home, <clears throat> having uh, some other family member do it, um, having a childminder in the house, or putting your child into a daycare centre. So these are the kind of basic choices uh, before people. Now, um, obviously not everybody is able to exercise their choice because of all kinds of constraints. There mightn't be another family member. You might both have to go out to work. You mightn't be able to afford daycare, or you mightn't be able to stay at home if that's your choice. But an awful lot of the conversation about childcare is concentrated on one kind of childcare, and that's daycare, which is, again, putting your child in a daycare centre. And obviously there's a lot of focus, and understandably so, on the very high cost of that if a child is in full-time daycare. Well, the amount, and the amount of them that are closing down currently at the moment as well, that can't yeah, stay open. Because, you know, um, um, fuel prices are going up, electricity prices are going up, um, you know, wage pressures, all this. So, yeah, and, there's, uh, and a lot of closing down, which puts prices up even higher. So the government, anyway, is looking at this and is saying we need to put, and it really has put some money into daycare, but we need to put more into daycare. But you can't do it in a way that, they, that effectively discriminates against the other childcare choices that people want to make. And, you know, these kind of amoric polls that you've referred to, um, they ask people questions like, you know, if you had the financial freedom, uh, what is your preferred childcare choice? And then it lists the sort of ones I listed a second ago. And only 20% of people say, my preferred childcare option, given full freedom of financial resources, would be my child and daycare full-time. So 20% of people. But 100% of the conversation seems to concentrate on the 20% of people that ignores everybody else and what choices they'd like to make about their children and whatever they think their work-life balance should be. And obviously not everything can be catered for because there's finite economic resources. But to take those finite resources and to put them basically into one thing only seems to me to be not capturing, you know, the full reality of the situation and what people So really you're want. saying, and I know Bertie Ahern suggested it many, many years ago too when he was the leader of Fianna Fáil, that we should be paying parents if they want to stay at home. I don't know about paying them a salary or a wage, but mm. certainly paying them some sort of carer's payment or whatever it happens to be because invariably that saves the state money because it's less funding that we have to put into childcare. So you're saying basically that there should be an option there that if a mother, and it is primarily mothers that want to stay at home, by the way, that's not something that mm. society forces them to do. They, a lot of women just want to do that. They want to be there for the formative years of a child's life. Um, you were saying if they want to do that and are financially constrained in doing that, that the government should subsidise it in some way, similar to the way we subsidise the other options of childcare. Well, I mean, let's say there's a billion uh, allocated, uh, and I'm plucking that figure out of thin air. So we, so we say it's a billion allocated for daycare, 
well, all right, instead, that billion or two billion or whatever it turns out to be um, should be given to the parents of young children as a kind of early child benefit. Um, so there is child benefit. A few years ago, by the way, I think up to the time of you know austerity and the crash and all that, there was an early child care benefit, so children up to the age of six, the parents um, could be, I think they were getting something like 200 a month per child. And then, you know, they get that money and then they spend it on the option that appeals to them most. And obviously it's not going to by any means pay for everything any more than, you know, money going mm-hmm. into daycare is going to pay for everything. But if you're going to spend a billion on childcare, don't put it on at the daycare. Uh, put it into the hands of parents of preschool children so they can subsidize the choice that they want to make. Otherwise, again, you're discriminating against the 80% of parents of these children who don't want to use daycare. So, I mean, I think the reason, by the way, the government pursues this policy is because it basically wants everybody to be out in the workplace so it can generate more tax. And I think that's ultimately a big reason why it's so supportive of daycare. Um, And another reason, I think, is um, because for some reason or another, uh, the 20% of people who, for whom daycare is their first choice tend to get lots and lots of airtime. And the other 80% of parents seem to get much less airtime. So it makes it look like there's much more demand for it than there really is. And but but you, you also refer to NGOs like, for example, the National Women's Council of Ireland mm. who campaign constantly for more affordable daycare, mm. and, and rightly so for those who want daycare, mm. but they don't sort of campaign, or you believe they don't campaign, you know, to give those other choices to women that maybe that's not so politically correct nowadays, is it, to, to suggest that women should be staying at home and looking after the kids? Yeah, but you see, I mean, if you look up their website, um, you do see an awful lot of demands for more for more resources for daycare, and you don't, you, you know, you're much harder, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, put to the pin of your collar trying to find, well, hang on a minute, do you support the other choices that parents want to make? And they don't seem to, so it seems to be all about daycare. But there, well, there seems to be a turnaround in society over the last 20 or 30 years, you know, where, you know, in our day, of course, you know, everybody was very proud of the women of Ireland who, who did look after children. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, that people should be forced to do anything like mm. that. And that should be a choice, by the way, between parents as to which one wants to stay at home and look mm. after the kids. But nowadays, it seems, and we've spoken to mums who stay at home on the air, and they believe they're being frowned upon by working women. Is is that a problem in society that we're, we're kind of almost you know looking down our noses at women or men, for example, who want to stay at home and rear their children? Well, according to surveys, um, so I'm not just again you know making this up. Um, the answer to your question is yes, that they uh, do feel devalued. And you see, we've kind of gone. It's as usual we go from kind of one extreme to the other. So back in De Valera's Ireland, the De Valera's Constitution, that says no woman shall be forced out of the home through economic necessity. Um, to the neglect of her quote-unquote duties. Um, and so it was all about the home, you know, once she became a mother. But now it seems to be all about work. And uh, so having funneled women into uh, the home, they now seem to be funnel, uh, yeah, trying to funnel all the mothers out into work, regardless of what they wanted in both cases. Um, so it's this weird reversal of kind of previous policy. And so... Lots of women, you know, who wanted to keep working. You had the marriage bar if you were in the public service and all this. That's mm-hmm. obviously rightly gone a long time. Yeah. But now you're kind of barred from going home, if that's what you want. Well, we, you want well you're not, it's not you're barred, but we look down on you for doing that. You know, you're, you're some sort of lazy person for yeah, staying at home. Yeah, I, I mean, it's almost kind of like um, uh, a home care bar um, is what we kind of um, set up. Like, it was a very leading feminist. Uh, she wrote, actually, the kind of book that launched modern feminism, um, it's called The Second Sex, Simone de Beauvoir is her name. 
And she said in 1975, um, women should not be given the choice to stay at home with their children because if they were given that choice, too many would exercise it. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't yeah. make a huge amount of sense to me. Yeah. Surely that's what life is all about, exercising your choice, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, but I mean, this is not some kind of like obscure figure. You know, she is the very, she's, you know, um, taken as the very founder of kind of modern post-war feminism. And this was her opinion, uh, that you actually basically, uh, like it must be made hard for mothers to stay at home with their children if that's what they want. Um, mm. uh, because they would have, because the thinking would be, it's anti-equality if too many stay at home. And so everybody must work and everybody must work equally, irrespective of the actual choices that they as a couple want to make about work-life balance and what they think might be best for their children and best for themselves. What do so you the say, government what, should what, be coming down on one side. David, what do you say to mothers who would be listening who are trying to juggle work and, and minding kids at the moment as well? And they will say that they can't achieve as much as men um, because of the expectation, and they believe it's an expectation, that it is a woman that should have the maternal instinct and it's a woman that should be looking after the kids or picking Johnny up when the school calls and says he's sick. That they believe that the expectation is that it's women and that attitude needs to change. No, I agree with them. Um, it should be up to the couple. So the couple decide between themselves um, what they want. Um, I mean, you know, I know house husbands. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is what uh, the couple have decided is best for them. Um, that it's the woman who goes out to work and it's the man who stays at home, or it's the woman who goes working full-time and it's the man who works part-time. But that's not usually the case. It's usually the other way around. Uh, and if there's social expectations which are kind of dictating those sort of choices, that is mainly the woman who stays at home or goes drops down to part-time work, well, then by all means challenge that. I mean, I'm completely neutral on who, if anyone, stays at home. Stays at home. It should be something for the couple to decide, but it's certainly not something for the government to come in and effectively dictate that you must both go out to work and the proper place for children is in 40-hour-a-week daycare, because I don't believe that is what most people want. Do you believe that 40-hour-a-week daycare, which many children would be in, now I'm not saying all children, obviously, but many mm. people, children would be in, do you think that's, uh, when I say, uh, do you think that's completely unbeneficial to a child? Well, I mean, it's a kind of hard to think why uh, you you know want as a matter of uh, you know uh, of an ideal to have your three year old in daycare for forty hours a week. I mean, uh, it just it'd be strange if that was um, beneficial to the child to be forty hours a week in there compared well, with. Well, then, you know, their, their argument is they'll say to you, "Well, we both have to work, so we can afford the extra car, so we can afford to bring the child on a holiday, so we can afford the luxuries of life yeah. for the child." Yeah, but that's a different thing, though, because again, like the question asked in these in these opinion polls is, if you had if you had full economic freedom, what would be your choice? Mm-hmm. And it's only 20% say full-time daycare is my ideal choice. So therefore, 80% don't believe that. So, you, well, so what you're saying to me is, according to the research that Amorok did, and I know Solis did similar research mm. going back, which more or less gave exactly the same results, yeah. by the way. Um, are you saying that essentially women are being forced, you believe a large amount of women are being forced to go to work against their will? I think that um, economic factors are dictating that people are not able to make the childcare choices they might ideally want. Now, of course... Um, we're never going to end up in the ideal world, are we? Um, and, you know, we're never going to have, the, you know, the great majority of us, the full economic freedom to make all the choices that we want. So that's just kind of pie-in-the-sky stuff. But again, if when the government is devising policy, it shouldn't be devising policy in a way that comes down very strongly in favour of one uh, childcare option over all the others. So again, I'm completely neutral about the choices that parents actually make, but I'm not neutral 
about the government, about the government coming down in favour of one choice and effectively coming out and discriminating de facto against all the other choices they might uh, like to make. Um, so that's my basic argument, okay. I guess. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. And okay, I appreciate it. David Quinn, who's a columnist with the Irish Times. You can read the whole article, by the way, in the Irish Times. There. It's an interesting piece. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. I-